This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as April 10th, 2020. Okay, everybody, welcome to our webinar for today. This is Team Safe Hawaii Jobs and Businesses and Team Hawaii. So we got a real treat for you today. My name is Evan Leong. I'm going to just give a brief intro and then we're going to turn it right over. Um, the effort that we have is called Safe Hawaii Jobs and Businesses. The primary focus is working with Team Hawaii, which is our congressional leadership, their teams, the banks, uh, our team, as well as SBA and the businesses. Okay, so we're all in the same boat together. And the purpose of today's webinar, webinar and as well as everything that we're doing right now is what can we do to get as much of the federal bailout stimulus here into Hawaii, um, period. Get people back to work, save some jobs, save some businesses, okay? So today's webinar is pretty much version two. We know that most of the basic info has been out there, the mechanics and so on. Um, Buddy, I believe, has posted that into the chat. So feel free to go and get reference from there. We have a full Cliff Notes version on the PPP loans and how that works in there as well. And we also have a, um, basically a question hotline. It's questions at braingainhi.com where we'll triage the questions and someone will get back to you pro bono with an answer, okay? So we all know this has been a crazy month. The last two weeks have been especially crazy. Um, they just launched this PPP um, 200, uh, or $349 billion stimulus package and people are rushing to try to uh, put this together and get loans and get these loans through. So without further ado, I wanna introduce our panel today. We have the Honorable Congressman Ed Case, who has joined us today to give us the um, congressional view of what's going on and some hope. And he's out there fighting for us and we appreciate that and your time. Susan Utsuji, who you will not see because she's calling in, but she's on this line, is the SVP of Business Banking at Central Pacific Bank. And she'll go over kind of where the bank's at, what the process has been and how, um, and what people can do to basically move this along faster. Darren Leong from the law office of Darren R. Leong is a very prominent employment attorney here in town. Casey Katakura, CEO of Accumulus, which is outsourced accounting firm. We have Jeff Harris, who's the senior name partner, um, an employment attorney at Torkelson. We have Jane Sawyer, our district director of the SBA, who um, we gotta say happy birthday. Happy birthday, Dane. <laughs> yeah, um, was a birthday. And in the background where you won't see, we have a, a, a diff, we have um, people helping out. So Mitch Heidenreich from, he's a legislative correspondent with Congressman Case. If you have kind of congressional questions, use the uh, Q&A box that's on the bottom and Mitch will do his best to answer those. Jeff will also be, Jeff Harris from Torkelson will be in that as well. Um, Stacy will be in that as well. Um, Norman Nakasone, who should be um, joining us from, from Central Pacific Bank is the SVP of product in eChannel. He should be able to help out with some questions regarding um, the bank. And then Buddy Leong, who's over there in the chat and posting up information will be there as well. If you have um, questions, make sure you put in the Q&A box. We're not gonna look at the chat for that. Okay, so without further ado, let's turn it over to Congressman Case. Um, thank you so much. 
All right, uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, mahalo for having me on. Um, what I'd like to do is just give you a big picture um, overview for what I think is uh, going on in the big picture of, of the COVID-19 crisis uh, up in Congress. Um, you've got a lot of great experts on the panel. Uh, you know, Jane, uh, who's running the show down here and throughout the Pacific is, has, has the details and you've got some folks from CPB and some other people that are really on the front lines of trying to make sure that these uh, federal programs are gonna work. So um, I'm not gonna get in the weeds. I, I can get in the weeds, but uh, the other people have <clears throat> those answers also. And I do wanna emphasize that Mitch Heidenreich, who is in my DC office, uh, is also on, and he's a very, very easy entree into my office. Uh, the other thing I wanna note is that we have also a lot of resources uh, on our website, case.house.gov. Uh, we try to keep that up to date on a daily basis with the latest information on, on these federal programs across the board. Um, and we um, are certainly available to help you with any of your questions, any of your needs. That's part of my job. My job right now has three components, and the first one is to help make the right decisions in Congress uh, from, from the perspective of our country. Uh, the second is to uh, make sure that the assistance that Congress uh, authorizes gets to Hawaii in the way, shape, and form that we need it here. And the third is to help you with your individual issues. So tap us for any, any of that uh, from my perspective. Uh, the more knowledge that's out there, the less uncertainty, the less uncertainty, the less fear, the less fear, the faster we all get through this. Um, so you all know the basics. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Congress passed three huge bills in March, uh, all dealing with COVID-19. The first bill was really more about uh, science uh, uh, research um, and, trying to get, and trying to get the resources to the science side of the equation, vaccines, test kits. But it also had uh, uh, the, emerge, the Economic Injury Disaster uh, Fund, EIDL, which is what it's called, um, and that money is um, clearly there and available to uh, companies right now. Um, as you all know, I hope at this point, we also expanded the definition of small businesses that can access these kinds of loans for the purposes of COVID-19 related relief uh, to independent contractors, sole proprietors, nonprofits in many cases. Uh, we have the second bill, which is more about our social safety net that I'm happy to get into as well. Can we boost up, uh, can we boost up our food stamp program? Can we boost up unemployment uh, benefits, which we um, have done? It's been a frustrating ride to get them out to people down at the state level, uh, but we certainly have that in the pipeline. And then the third bill uh, was a $2.2 trillion CARES Act, which built on the first two and really tried to supplement across the board in the various uh, areas of need. Um, and so, you know, uh, we, we are all focused here with you on really small business, uh, the 377 billion to include 349 billion for the uh, Paycheck Protection uh, Program. But there are many other parts of that bill that are just as important uh, uh, to Hawaii in the big picture. We authorize somewhere in the range of uh, $500 billion uh, um, in, in uh, similar assistance uh, to our um, larger businesses. So in other words, the businesses of the country that may not qualify for as small businesses, although technically small businesses can also try to access uh, much of that uh, funds. Uh, and that money was just announced a couple of days ago that um, the Federal Reserve is part partnering with the Treasury Department to leverage that money out, money out to about 2.5 trillion plus of lending authority, lending capacity to help uh, folks through and, and our Hawaii needs to access it. We tend to think more about the PPP and the idle 
because we are a small business state. But I just talked on the phone this morning uh, with one of our businesses whose name you would recognize readily if I if I told it to you that doesn't qualify for these uh, small business loans, and they do qualify uh, for the other loans, um, and um, they should go out and apply for those. Um, there was $61 billion of specific assistance in that $500 billion to our airlines and our airline community, including $50 billion to our passenger airlines, divided $25 billion to retain employees on the payroll, $25 in grants, not loans, uh, $25 billion to utilize for other purposes on a loan, a loan basis. And that money should be starting to get released. Um, I know that Hawaiian and United and many others of our providers here um, including people like Hawaiian, who employ 6,000 people right here in Hawaii, have applied for that assistance. Um, you may have seen in the paper that the president is actually meeting with the airline industry tomorrow at the White House because the airline industry doesn't think that relief has gotten there fast enough, and so this is a, to move it along. Uh, we also have the so-called uh, direct payment, or, or more accurately, economic uh, impact or rebate program, which we all now call direct payments to Americans because that's what it's gonna be, direct payments. That's the 1,200 per person, uh, 2,400 uh, per family, 500 per dependent child under, under 17. Uh, we, are, we are very much trying to get that out the door as soon as possible. That doesn't go to all Americans, but somewhere in the range of 160 million, 170 million um, are slated to, to receive that assistance with the direct deposits uh, um, into their accounts if they have direct deposit um, starting next week. Um, I also want to note unemployment insurance. We talked about that, about $260 billion in federal supplementation to unemployment insurance, $150 billion to state and local stimulus funds, of which $1.25 billion is coming to Hawaii uh, very, very shortly, by the end of the month. That's relatively discretionary. So I know that the governor has already convened his cabinet. They have a special, a special group that is essentially uh, deciding how to uh, what the best allocation is of of that um, of that uh, 1.25 billion, um, of which of which about 360 uh, million goes to the city and county of Honolulu. So I know that the mayor is doing the same thing at the city and county of Honolulu level. Um, we also have um, payments of over 100 billion dollars directly to our hospitals and our healthcare uh, community throughout uh, Hawaii of which 100 billion is directed specifically to our hospitals and healthcare providers. Uh, some of the rest of that money goes uh, to, to veterans uh, benefits in particular and other healthcare. Um, we are just today uh, in Hawaii getting about $130 million of a distribution to our uh, many of our principal healthcare providers uh, throughout the state as kind of the first payment um, out of that 100 billion. We're expecting, we're expecting uh, hundreds of millions uh, more in the next couple of weeks. And that's to go with a $10 million uh, payment that we received um, earlier this week that was slated specifically to our community health centers. Um, so the bottom line is that, um, you know, the CARES Act, believe it or not, was enacted and signed into law two weeks ago, two weeks ago, $2 trillion bill uh, put together in a matter of weeks uh, to cover this crisis and two weeks of implementation. It's been, in all honesty, a struggle uh, to get it implemented uh, in many areas. I mean, how do you how do you muster the resources to get $2.2 trillion out to the American people as fast as, as possible, when in many cases, uh, and I'll talk about the SBA here, and Jane, Jane knows this, uh, Jane and her team has, have done an absolutely incredible job of trying to get the SBA mobilized across the uh, state and country uh, to get um, the, the uh, $349 billion PPP up and also the EIDL loans out there. But SBA was never intended to handle this kind of volume 
on this kind of urgency. And so they're having to, to really scramble. Um, and we're frankly having to um, kind of make decisions uh, as we, we go along on the national level. Um, you know, you would think that, um, well, maybe you wouldn't think, I wouldn't think it, but maybe some people would think, well, what's the problem with getting the money out the door? Well, there's all kinds of decisions have to be made. How do you get the money actually to people? How do you get it to states and counties? How do states and counties get it out from there? Um, are the states and counties resourced uh, to be able to distribute it? We've seen our State Department of Labor overwhelmed by over 200,000 unemployment claims in just the last five weeks, uh, when on an, on an average week, um, it's somewhere in the range of 1,000 a week. So 200 plus thousand in five weeks, um, they're having problems uh, resourcing this. Um, going specifically to PPP, and then I'll, I'll stop. Um, so um, my experience is that, first of all, I've spent countless hours over the last couple of weeks while I've been working uh, re remotely and, and teleworking as I'm doing right now. And my, co my colleagues are doing the same thing across the country. We're all mostly in our homes, um, but we are in constant contact. We do, you know, all manner of uh, communications. Uh, uh, a number of times per week, I'm on uh, massive conference calls with, with my colleagues of 200 members plus. Uh, and we all discuss what's going on. We all articulate our problems. And I can, I can tell you this uh, safely, I think, uh, having, having listened to my colleagues and kind of shared information with them over the last couple of weeks, we are not no different than anywhere else in the country. We're having the same issues. We're having the same concerns. We're having concerns with the implementation of PPP. Uh, the banks and credit unions that service uh, PPP are having the same concerns here as they're having in Arkansas. Um, the the uh, rollout of, of the um, um, monies to our state and county governments, unemployment uh, benefits, uh, uh, you know, human resources and labor departments being overwhelmed. We are not different. We're in the same boat. And there's, there's you know, perhaps some comfort in that because I think one of your principal questions is, are we being, uh, you know, treated fairly in Hawaii here? And I think the answer to that is yes. Um, we are having to advocate very, very hard. So your congressional delegation is, you know, never had this level of responsibility and, 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 and I don't think ever worked this hard uh, individually and collectively because our job is to make sure that these resources uh, um, are not only authorized by Congress, but then they get to you here in Hawaii and we crack through some of the, you know, unique local uh, situations that we have here and there. Uh, but fundamentally, I think that we are uh, holding our own uh, and even doing better in many areas uh, than, than the rest of the country. So. Um, I do want to. I, I do want to give you that perhaps small comfort that um, you know we're not being left behind here. We're we're being well serviced by our communities, by our federal representatives like Jane. Um, they are dealing in in a very difficult uh, situation. So um, now, what's what comes next? And then I'll and then I'll stop. We have already been talking for for um, weeks about uh, beyond uh, CARES 1.0, as we call it, CARES one. Um, even before we enacted CARES in uh, two weeks ago, we realized that wasn't going to be enough. Um, we were going to have to come back uh, with uh, subsequent uh, uh, measures. Um, initially, what we thought we were going to do two weeks ago was we were going to roll out an infrastructure bill next. So in other words, we were going to move from immediate assistance uh, to communities uh, and, and communities in need, like the medical community, the small business community. Um, the, the social services uh, community, um, the unemployment insurance needs, um, and go to infrastructure, which was more along the lines of kind of a, you know, New Deal, uh, Workers Conservation Corps, WPA kind of thing, where we would put a lot of people to work on building and improving crumbling infrastructure across our country. And I started off 
uh, with that process of going to all of our partners throughout the state and the counties and saying, hey, this is the time for us to line up our infrastructure right now. What happened really was that we realized pretty fast that uh, we couldn't and wouldn't move straight from uh, CARES 2.0, I'm sorry, 1.0 into infrastructure. We really needed another CARES bill. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where we are right now. We're trying to get another CARES bill. So we're trying very hard to stay within the framework of CARES because CARES was a $2.2 trillion bill that was enacted virtually unanimously. So imagine that you can actually do a $2.2 trillion bill uh, that the Senate lines up with unanimously, that the House votes for almost unanimously, only one person opposing as far as we can tell. It was a voice vote. And the president signs in the same day. Now that only happens if everybody kind of sets aside their pet projects and, 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 and accepts things that they normally wouldn't accept for, for, the, for the common good. And so our focus here is, look, we've got a lot of um, other issues that we disagree with very deeply in Congress, you know, whether it be a border wall or, uh, you know, whatever you might call it, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, women's rights, uh, the environment. Um, and so if we take the CARES 2.0 and we expand it beyond the model that we already have, it's, we're going to lose it. And so can we just stay with what are the exact needs that we have in CARES 1.0? And uh, we think that we all understand what those needs are. And they are two to three needs. Uh, first of all, we think we need to supplement the PPP program now. Um, and I think everybody's on the same page on that. I think we uh, believe that we need to supplement uh, the payments uh, to our medical uh, uh, providers, our healthcare providers. I think we need to beef up uh, uh, the, the payments to state and local governments so that they can handle their own unique needs. And um, that's where the discussion has been. Two days ago on, on the 8th, I was on one of my conference calls. And we had on the conference call with us, Vice President Pence, uh, together with uh, his coronavirus uh, uh, team, included uh, Secretary Mnuchin, um, who gave a report on PPP to, to, our, to our caucus and our group. Um, and yesterday, I was on a call with, uh, with, uh, with folks from Congress as well. Uh, talking about the discussion between the House and the Senate, where uh, essentially uh, Secretary Mnuchin about two days ago, uh, three days ago, basically called up the congressional leaders and said, hey, we need some more money for PPP, about $250 billion. Um, and um, we agreed with that. And then we said, well, you know, is that going to be enough? Uh, and so the discussions right now are going on. Um, I got to tell you, I, I thought it was going to come together a little quicker than it has been. But um, you never know whether it's just negotiation or not. It's really being negotiated in a pretty small circle. Um, but the focus is on getting the PPP strengthened. Uh, the focus is on uh, ironing out the kinks um, in the program. Um, and I think that um, we can do that. One more thing to mention that I, before I forget it, one very overlooked uh, provision um, in the um, CARES Act um, is the employee retention tax credit. That hasn't gotten a whole bunch of attention yet. Uh, that's a pretty generous tax credit if you keep your employees. You can, I, as, as I recall, and maybe some of my fellow, fellow lawyer colleagues on the phone can, can chime in here from a tax perspective. But as I recall, of course, to take a credit, you've got to have some income, and a lot of small businesses are not having that right now. But I think you could carry this forward and pay it later on. So take a look at that employee retention tax credit, which is a immediate way uh, to perhaps get some, some money into your uh, program. So with that, I've gone too long, and I'll stop. Uh, thank you, Congressman Case. Um, so we'll pass it on to uh, Susan Utsugi um, from Central Pacific Bank. Uh, and then I think Jane will hopefully 
uh, get back on and we can we can jump to her. So, uh, Susan. Um, hi, this is Susan, Central Pacific Bank. So um, we have received thousands of applications for the Paycheck Protection Program loans. And like Congressman Case said, you know, everybody's like working very, very hard. And at Central Pacific Bank, um, we have all hands on deck. We've been working 24 seven to process all of these applications. And, you know, SBA, like you said, is, was not geared up for this kind of volume. It's unprecedented volume. So the process um, has been slower than we would have liked only because the systems involved, you know, with thousands and thousands of applications going through, um, there's been um, slowdowns in the, the process of submitting applications to the SBA for approval. However, we have also approved, you know, over a thousand applications and all of the, the statistics in terms of the number of applications and the number of approvals, um, the local banks are providing that information to Hawaii Bankers Association. So they are collecting that information and will make that public. I know people are wondering um, how many are we processing and, and, and how many are being approved. Um, I can assure you that we are doing as much as we possibly can. You know, we're running 24 seven and have a great sense of urgency in getting these loans um, approved and processed, um, documented and booked. Um, and so we wanna get the money out. You know, we feel this, this sense of urgency because we're competing with the rest of the nation and getting funds to Hawaii. So we're working very hard to do that. Susan, do you wanna talk briefly just uh, about, you know, the, the process generally and how it, how it works from uh, the yeah. coming into the bank and to ultimately getting funded? Sure. So at Central Pacific Bank, we are taking online applications on our website, um, cpb.bank slash ppp. Um, so through that portal, um, applicants will um, complete the SBA application as well as our uh, bank form um, and then upload their tax information. Um, I would stress that um, completeness of the application and its supporting information is crucial. Um, it allows us to process your application quickly. And so um, we found specifically on the SBA loan application, there's a number of questions that need to be answered, yes, no questions that need to be answered by the business owner, <clears throat> as well as certifications. And for each certification, they need to initial to acknowledge that. So we found that um, one of the most common omissions is the answering of the questions and the certifications. Um, and then providing your the 941, your quarterly um, 941s um, for all four quarters of 2019. Um, or if you do work with a payroll provider, um, those have been very easy to process because the information is very clear and they provided information in detail so that we can quickly identify, um, as you know, um, those that have over 100,000 in income, there is a cap on 100,000. So whatever information you can provide that's clear and concise is very helpful in, in processing your application. Um, there's specific information that eTran requires, and so we've captured that within the forms um, that need to be completed. Um, and then again, if it's clear, um, you know, we've gotten some applications that are handwritten and we've had to go back to the borrowers um, because we couldn't, it wasn't as legible as, we, as we'd like. So, I can't stress enough, having a clear, clean application will help the applicant get their loan process quickly. Thank you, Susan. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to pass a question back to Congressman Case. Um, is in terms of essentially CARES 2.0 and you know trying to funnel as much uh, money into Hawaii uh, and and get that out to the businesses. Is there anything that the business community can do um, to support those efforts to to sort of get our share or as much of our share as we can? Well, I think I think um, I think the main thing that the business community can do is is get to uh, the folks that need it with uh, credible and and uh, and and useful information on how to apply. Um, again, we were no different than the rest of the country. But when you take a when you take a two point two trillion dollar bill and a five and a um, a a um, three hundred and seventy seven billion dollars specific to small business and you roll it out inside of a couple of days, um, it you, it takes a long time to reach the businesses that need it. Now, some businesses uh, uh, were were following this all along. We were telling businesses, look, it may not be enacted and rolled out yet, but it's coming. And so these are the basics of what you're going to need. These are the basic skeleton. And some businesses were are just basically better hooked into the to the process of outreach from from you know me or anybody else or to Jane or anybody else or the banks. And so um, what I am I'm not worried as much about. I'm worried about everybody, but I'm not worried as much about the the business that um, is at a certain level of sophistication that has a relationship with an existing. Uh, a uh, bank, especially a, a small business, a provider bank, which which there are 14 in Hawaii that has access to you know lawyers uh, that can kind of crunch this stuff through. They 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 self helped. They knew how to do that, and that was happening throughout the country. So they were in line. They submitted their applications immediately. They knew the deadline was last Friday at midnight, um, and and they popped it. And 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 so they're in the queue, if not already funded. Um, and in fact, there's been about 100 billion dollars already, according to uh, Secretary Mnuchin, um, 100, about $100 billion plus of funding that's already gone out the door. So what we need to do, though, is to catch the folks that don't fall into that category, that, that you know, are, are sitting there and saying, hey, what's going on? Or maybe they don't even know about it yet. Um, some people don't know that independent contractors are eligible. Some people don't know. I just had a call on this uh, yesterday, where non a 501c3 classified as a small business did not know uh, that they were eligible for this funding. So, so, so to me, where the business community can really, really help, because hey, we're going to go out there and get this funded as much as we possibly can in Congress. I mean, I don't need the business community to tell me that's important. So, you know, that's 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 not where I need I need the, the effort. I need the effort in terms of outreach. Yeah, I, I you know I think that it uh, it helps that on these webinars and others around town who have been getting the word out, you know, don't, don't just uh, sort of tell your friends, tell other businesses, tell other people you know who might be um, eligible. Um, We've had very good partnerships. And Jane, uh, please please highlight your partners when, when we get to you, uh, hopefully very shortly on SBDC and the chambers. Yeah, um, Jane, are you... Um, is your audio up or I can make a few comments that I was planning to make uh, after. Uh, let me make, let me make a few comments while, while Jane is still getting back up. Um, there are a few things and of course, in a, when a program this large and this kind of money is being rolled out, there's going to be lots of information flying around. There's going to be lots of talk, um, you know, because we've been fielding, uh, 
you know, hundreds of questions. There's a few of those that have come across um, at least our emails multiple times that uh, I, I'd like to address uh, out to the larger community. Um, the first one is that this bill, um, it puts the onus on the borrower. So in order to get this money out quickly, the banks have essentially been uh, given the instruction that you can rely on the borrower's representations. What that means though, is that for, uh, for us borrowers out there who are gonna get these PPP funds, that those certifications that you make on the application form are very, very important. Um, and there's one in particular, it says, uh, quote, I understand that if the funds are knowingly used for unauthorized purposes, the federal government may hold me legally liable such as for charges of fraud. Um, that's an important representation that we make. And so when we're talking about what are unauthorized purposes, you have to go back to the statute. And what the statute is intended to do, um, and as Congressman Case has noted on other um, calls, et cetera, is to put people back on payroll. It's to put them back on payroll right away. And the operative time period is uh, allowable uses as defined by the statute are in the period prior to June 30th, 2020. Um, the other operable time period is that for forgiveness, you have to use these funds in the eight weeks following disbursement of the funds. If you do not do that, or if you knowingly do not do that, you expose yourself to, uh, to charges of unauthorized use, which can be punishable by fraud. The second um, sort of thing that I wanted to address that's been flying around is uh, there's some... It, there's some talk going around that businesses should not apply because uh, employees might refuse to um, come back to work uh, because they're on employment, getting more than 100% um, pay because they have the extra $600 supplement, um, and that they might refuse to come back, and therefore you won't be able to keep the headcount requirements um, to get full forgiveness. What is missing out of that analysis is that if you offer to your employees to come back at 100% pay, they forfeit the ability to get unemployment at that point. And again, I would go back to the purpose of this law, which is to get people back on payroll. Um, and you know, the Congressman Case can elaborate on this, but the way we understand it is that if the federal government is going to subsidize employees, uh, whether it be on payroll or on unemployment, the preference is to have them on payroll because once we're ready to go, hopefully at the end of June when this program expires, the hope is that we will be ready to get back up and running. And it is much, much easier to get people back working if they are already on payroll, as opposed to if they are on unemployment and there are a lot of transaction costs to getting people back into the, into the workplace. Now, Hawaii has surpassed 200,000 unemployment claims as of a, a day ago. The purpose of this bill, and see in very short order as these funds start getting dispersed, is that number decreasing because 
employers are able to put employees back onto payroll. Uh, the third thing I would just note before I hand it over to Jane is uh, there's another sort of advice floating around that you should not apply and you should wait because there's too much ambiguity in the statute about uh, different things. Um, while it is true that there are still some questions sitting out there, such as how to define a full-time equivalent employee or some questions with respect to payroll costs, um, it, is, it is at your peril to wait to apply to find out how all of these are going to sort out. Um, Hawaii is competing right now, as is well publicized in the press. Hawaii is competing against uh, the rest of the states to get its share of this $349 billion. So if you, you know, if you wait, you wait at the risk that uh, there may eventually, even um, with further appropriation, that there may not be funds. So if we are trying as a state to get as much of this funding into our businesses as possible, then I think it's imperative that from top to bottom, whether it's the banks, whether it's SBA, whether it's businesses, that we're working as efficiently as possible to get applications in, to get them processed appropriately, and to get that funding uh, into the state. Um, with that, I will hand over to Jane, because she looks like she's up and running. Ah, okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I think the, the first thing to say, and thank, thank everybody for your comments and uh, sharing your expertise and your insight with everybody, is that we are seeing positive outcomes from this program. Susan's team at CPB, CPB has been one of our leading SBA lenders for a long time. So they really kind of demonstrate a lot of leadership to get this program going along with some of our other primary banks, but they're working really hard and we are seeing the results. We know that there have been a few loans that have already been dispersed and there have been a lot of loans, probably over 5,000 today that have been approved in the system. And yes, even you saw my, uh, telecommunications uh, difficulties here, the systems that we have had have not been able to deal with the, the sheer volume that we've had, but we've been responding pretty quickly and looking at how we can form the partnerships to make sure that we can accommodate all this intake. The bankers are working with our, um, the standard 7A uh, electronic transfer system, eTran, and that's been expanding to get more and more seats available. Um, because we are putting in, though we've got a platform behind it that's helping process these things very, very quickly, the input is individually, one at a time, and the banks are certifying the information that you put in. Those of you who may have already submitted an application know just how streamlined it is. And it is that the borrower is certifying the information that's going into the system. The banks are looking at it and we've done all sorts of things like we aren't looking at collateral, we aren't looking at personal guarantees, we aren't asking you to submit tax forms and things like this. So you're talking about what type of businesses you have and, we're, and we've really expanded what would normally go into or would be considered for an SBA loan. You may know that you know we're including nonprofits like veterans organizations, tribal concerns, we're bringing in sole proprietorships, 
self-employed individuals, independent contractors. So if you've been an Uber driver for the last couple of years, you need to present your documentation of what your earnings have been, what your income has been, what your costs are to kind of help with the uh, computation of what your loan amount would be. So, and again, as the Congressman has said, how Darren has emphasized, and I'm sure that Susan did as well, that these loans are really designed to sustain your business, to help you get through this period of time, and to get employees back on the payroll. Get the employees back on the payroll, their benefits in place, if you are working or reapply their, their skills to some different projects, if you're not fully up to speed, this can only help your business and help our community in the long run. The idea is, despite all the uncertainty, keep people ready to work on the job, provide training during this time, and so that we'll be able to come back stronger, all working together when we come out the other side of this virus, this big pandemic. So I encourage everyone to apply for the assistance that's available. Talk to your CFO, your accountant, your CPA, and see how you can put the best program of benefits together. But definitely submit a PPP loan application to your bank. They're the ones who've been working on this. They know the parameters. They can help you with the application. They stood up really quickly too because they aren't having their customers walk into the bank to submit a loan application. They've got all their web pages up. They're accepting applications online because we are under this emergency uh, proclamation that we're all staying at home and social distancing. But we are working this to get money into your bank account and get your employees back on the payroll. Um, the interest rate on this loan is 1%. The term is two years. Um, if your payments are deferred for six months, so even if you are back and up and running in, uh, in your business in a couple of months, you still don't have to start repaying any of the balance on the loan for several more months. There's a 100% guarantee, no personal guarantee, um, no collateral is taken unless you get a really, really big loan. Um, and there are some of our businesses because you can, have over, you can have over 500 employees depending on the industry that you're in. Basic rule of thumb, 500 employees, uh, you're a small business who is eligible for this loan. So I think we've probably looked at the calculation. You may have worked on that with your banker. And again, get those employees back on the payroll once you get your, your disbursement so that you can qualify for the forgiveness. So it is a, it's a great program to help you get rolling. And if you applied for an economic injury disaster loan, which is a different model that is applied for through SBA, now that portal had a lot of trouble too because it's the first time we've really opened this up nationally. And over 30 million small businesses across the country were able to apply for those loans. Um, we thought we had expanded it enough with the response to Katrina and Rita and Wilma, but it just couldn't handle the coronavirus. So. Um, we are running, we are hearing that the first disbursements of that, those, uh, the quick advances have, have started to roll out as well. So again, be patient, um, be vigilant, uh, and uh, talk to your banker. Uh, use the time that you have to really examine what, what needs resources you're going to need and how you can put them uh, into play. 
Uh, I'd like to pass the question back to Congressman Case. What, one of the scenarios we're getting quite a bit are uh, businesses like restaurants or um, tourist operator companies, uh, companies that are for all intents and purposes shut down currently. Um, they're asking in terms of their ability to utilize the PPP program because uh, when they bring their uh, employees back, um, you know, in order to meet the requirements for forgiveness, they may be paying their employees to be underutilized. Um, what we've effectively been been telling these businesses is that uh, we do believe it's uh, it's in the intent of the statute to keep these people on payroll so that when it is ready to go, even if they're underutilized, you know, for a few weeks, that they're on payroll, that they, they have been sustained in their, you know, personal circumstances and that they're, they're ready to go. What, what's your thought on that? That's exactly right. I mean, uh, we're, not, we're not trying to distinguish between whether the employees are fully utilized or underutilized or not utilized at all. <clears throat> we're trying to have the federal government essentially step in and run your payroll for you. Um, and if you and if you do that, then then the loan, um, tech, the technical loan is forgiven. So um, we're we're trying to to get you incentivized um, financially uh, to have no no effective financial burden. Now it is true that um, that uh, employees on the payroll um, are entitled to health care benefits, but the PPP monies can be used for that purpose. So we anticipated that as well. Um, and um, I think from, from, a, from a business perspective, uh, one of the key advantages of your doing this, even though perhaps it's counterintuitive to, to have, you know, for employees to be paid when they're not working, um, is you, you continue a relationship with them. Uh, because as, as was said earlier in the show, uh, when this is over, you're going to want them back, uh, probably the same employees that you had to lay off. And so why not maintain that relationship right now? Because otherwise they, they may not join you again. Um, can I do uh, two things in terms of what uh, Jane was talking about? First of all, um, I do want to point out that the Small Business Association or Administration has a very good uh, network of uh, partners uh, here in Hawaii. So this is the Small Business Development Center, the, the Women Business Development Center, the Minority Business Development Center, the Veterans uh, Business Development Center. These are all federally funded experts that are there to supplement Jane, especially in the areas that they specialize in. So if you are a woman business, you should go to the Women's Business Development Center. Um, the list of those participating uh, uh, entities and their contact information is on my website. It's also on Jane's website. The other thing I want to mention real quickly is that one of the areas that we have been concerned about both nationally and in Hawaii are small businesses that do not have an existing relationship. Uh, with with a preferred uh, SBA uh, lender. Now uh, it's up to the lender, uh, really, and maybe that was a call we we should have made differently in terms of the statute, but we weren't trying to be complicated. But you know, some some lenders are saying customers only, uh, some less lenders are saying customers first, and some lenders are saying all comers are welcome. Um, and you will see in the mix here in Hawaii a little bit of that mix. We're better. Uh, in that sense, my sense from talking to my colleagues throughout the country is many of their uh, uh, SBA lenders have, have really limited it to their own customers. One of the reasons for that is concerns by some financial institutions over, over potential liability on their part 
uh, for basically some of the some of the uh, processing that, that that they're having to do with people that they really don't have a relationship with. So they'll take that risk with people that they already know, but they're not willing to take it with others. And one of the areas that we're definitely uh, dealing with from a policy perspective in Congress right now is should we more directly confirm uh, no liability to lenders uh, under this program. So there's there's really no excuse, if I can put it that way, for them not to extend uh, the, the processing uh, for, for non-customers. So if anybody out there is having trouble finding a, a, a participating lender that will take you on, it's not that you don't have one with, um, we've got a pretty good sense in my office of who is doing what. Thank you. I mean, our, our sense of it is that our banks are are going around around the clock on this. I'll pass a question back to Susan, which is um, in terms of the general process and then also in terms of the timing for loan approval, loan funding. Can you speak to that? Yeah, and, um, and I will share that Central Pacific Bank is accepting applications from um, those who are not our customers. Um, and the process does vary depending on whether you're a customer or not, but in general, as we receive these applications, we're processing them, entering into what you've all heard about the ETRAN, which is SBA system. Um, and, but of course, we have to make sure that you know general information is accurate, or else there will be ETRAN will reject um, what we submit. Um, and so, depending on how complicated the application is, um, we should get approval. In the time we enter the information, we we get approval fairly quickly. Um, um, there are compliance issues that the bank must comply with, you know, so Congressman Case mentioned that perhaps they may, you know, Congress may make some changes to that, federal government may make some changes to that, but we do have standard compliance processes that we have to go through. Um, so that does add time to it. Um, and then the number, the sheer volume, of course, um, with, with um, the number of resources that we have is a challenge. Um, so we have been getting, frankly, once we're able to process through HRAM, we do get the approvals fairly quickly, but then we need to go through a, a, a review process. And we've been going through that currently. Um, we, for our existing customers, it's, a, it's easier because we know who they are. And so we're streamlining a lot of that and we're starting to send out, um, uh, we're going to be sending out their loan documents and loan closings remotely because we know who they are. So we should actually start sending those out, um, if not today, tomorrow. For our non-customers, um, we do have to verify their IDs. And so we're going to be reaching out to schedule times for them to come into the branches to actually do the loan closing. Um, you know, we're going to maintain social distancing and we're going to coordinate it so that it is safe to do. Um, however, we do need to actually ID them. And so that process is a little bit um, longer for, for non-customers. So our, our expectation is that we will be, I know a lot of people are asking, okay, what's next? Because once we got conditional approval from the SBA, we did send out an email to all of our applicants to let them know and set the expectation that we would be um, getting back to them within uh, 10 to 15 days. However, you know, th they are imposing that currently that the loans be funded 10 days from approval. And that has been quite a challenge because this PPP loan program is new. SBA does not have documentation already in place for things like the promissory note. And so we have not been able to really nail down a promissory 
no um, document until, uh, you know, I think just yesterday. We, we just got the SBA's promissory note, I think on Tuesday, which needed to have a lot of changes to it, again, because this PPP is something that is very out of the box. So, you know, that's part of it too, making sure that we have the right documentation. Um, but we should, we, we hope to start, get the majority of our funding through um, next week because we need to, we're, we're trying to comply with that timeframe. Um, and then we continue to receive more applications on a daily basis. And so we're keeping up with that pipeline. Susan, with respect to those applications, it sounds like uh, when they're ready, they get inputted into the eTrans system. Um, and then hopefully that goes, uh, all the information is there and then SBA uh, kicks out uh, its approval and loan number. Uh, do you have any tips for what the businesses can do to make sure that when they are submitting their applications to you that that the information that's necessary to get it exactly right in eTran is there and what is sort of the most common missing item or, or mistake that you see made? Mm -hmm. um, like I mentioned earlier, the certifications, initials on your certifications, answering the yes and no questions for the owners, um, making sure that your EIN number is correct um, and that your, um, your business name is your legal name and not to confuse your business name with your trade name. Um, if you put, it's helpful, to, we must have a, um, a physical address. So instead of putting a PO box, put in your physical address um, and make sure it's signed. Uh, we do have to have a signed application. Great. I think one, one of the things there too is that, I mean, the application is very brief, even with all the instructions and, and the list of certifications that you, you certify that you understand as the borrower, um, the application is only four three and a half pages actually, but you do need to be as accurate as you can submit all the information because it makes it much, much easier for them to go through. And again, even Darren, some of your comments address that you need to make sure that you're um, completing the information honestly and in a straightforward manner um, to just make sure that the application will go smoothly through and hopefully get a faster um, you know, approval from, S from get into the system and get approved by SBA. Um, we do have some, the, the rules and regs kind of set up some tough requirements. We are allowing banks to take a look at their, the promissory notes from the regular 7A, use their own documents. So we think we're moving much more quickly to getting the closings done, but it is sheer volume. And we do want them to be, you know, do the diligence they need to do, make sure they know who those, those borrowers are because this is such a huge program. Um, and we, we want it to move quickly, we want to get it done, but we also need to protect people. Jane, we understand that um, the SBA lenders uh, have particular um, sort of portals to get into the e-trans system um, and that Hawaii is in the process of expanding its number um, to get so we can input more loans in, get them done faster at higher volumes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, sure. The e-trans system was designed so that the individual credit officers or banking officers at the bank would be able to 
control and input each one of the loan applications into the system. From that document, I mean, through the life of the loan, they will do any modifications or anything along that line. The system, again, was impacted by everybody wanting more people to be available to input. And the banks have all, you know, added additional people or given people the authority to um, become a, a data entry person so they can get more loans submitted. Now, Hawaii banks also, I mean, many of them doubled the number that they had or requested additional um, uh, bankers um, to be able to access the system, but we're seeing that all over the country. And if you think about the size of some of the other banks, they're asking, you know, to uh, add equally, you know, they want to double their input as well. So we'll, we're, we are dealing with this right now. And I think even we just discovered that they're going to be doing some maintenance on the system tomorrow to expand that capacity. So hopefully when we all get back and open up the system on Monday, we're going to see uh, the capability for more uh, banking officers to sign on and get into that system uh, individually instead of having to go and make a request to headquarters and things like that. There's a system and I'm just trying to send that information out again to all of our lenders here so we can you know, uh, move it quickly. They are doing a fabulous job. I mean, I think we saw 900 loans approved overnight last night. We are um, into the billions of dollars that have been approved for Hawaii, and we're seeing that expanding. We're also trying to check the numbers so that we know that the variety of industries we have here in Hawaii and the variety of our small, small businesses are actually being served um, equitably in the system. So we saw some of the questions that we haven't been able to really clearly answer, like farmers um, and our ag producers. We're seeing a number of them in there with approvals. So that's a very, very good sign. Thank, thanks, Jane. Uh, one, one more technical question for Susan. Um, what should borrowers do to prepare to, for the process for forgiveness in terms of uh, documents they should have, uh, you know, look to have ready? once we get to that stage of the process? Mm -hmm. So based on the guidance that we received from the SBA, 75% of the loan proceeds need to be used for payroll, um, with the remaining 25% um, used for utilities, rent, or mortgage interest on your place of business. So I would recommend that you maintain good records. Um, going to payroll, the way the SBA guidance that we've seen says that they must maintain compensation and level of employees. So I think that's important to be aware because you have, from the time that you receive the funds, eight weeks. And so, um, you know, the way it reads is basically that you have to bring back the same level, same number of employees that you had at the time of, as what you put in your application, as well as maintaining that level of compensation. So I think, um, employers need to be ready to move quickly on that um, so that they can take advantage of the 100% forgiveness. Um, I think keep, keeping good records so that um, you can provide that information to the banks when it comes time to do the forgiveness will also um, help you ensure that you're, you're in a position to get the full forgiveness. I think it's important and Susan made a very, very good point. You have to let the bank know and you are responsible for notifying the bank uh, and asking for the forgiveness. It won't be just automatic that 
it will be wiped out. There's a few steps that the borrower, the small business owner will have to take to ensure that. I'll just, I'll, I'll just make a tech, technical comment to that and then pass it to Congressman Case for closing, uh, for closing remarks. Um, the way that 25% rule is set up where a maximum of 25% of the loan amount can be used for non-payroll purposes, what that ends up meaning is that the remaining 75% of your loan amount that is for payroll purposes, it's about equivalent to bringing everyone back at 100% pay for eight weeks. So in essence, if you are complying with the 75-25 rule, you will end up doing exactly what the statute is intended to do, which is to bring your entire payroll back at 100% pay for eight weeks. And the benefit of doing that, even if those employees are underutilized, the benefit of doing that is an amount that you can put towards things like rent and utilities that is equivalent to about a half month of payroll. So with that, I'll hand it over to Congressman Case uh, for some, some remarks to close. Well, thank you very much. A uh, couple of uh, kind of more technical responses. First of all, that 75-25 rule does, does fit many, many businesses, the vast majority of businesses. But we have found both in Hawaii and throughout the country that that, that doesn't always match a business's needs. We have some businesses that are, that are simply disproportionate, uh, you know, lower on the employee side and, and higher on the other expense side. And so um, we definitely are considering in Congress uh, more flexibility to, to alter that 75-25% split. Now we don't want to get away from it because we want this money to be used for employees, but we don't want to leave some small businesses out that, that um, you know, have desperate needs uh, and just because they have a low employee ratio, they're not going to be able to take full advantage of this, but that's a subject of discussion. And then the other thing to note just very quickly is that um, the discussion between uh, Jane and Susan about uh, the, the um, ability to access the SBA system has been one of our top issues throughout the entire country. We simply haven't had uh, enough uh, people being able to access fast enough. Uh, and you can understand that there's a certain level of security that, they, that the SBA wants uh, in terms of who gets the crack into their system, banks also. Um, but um, Secretary Mnuchin two days ago said that there were 3,600 3, lenders um, in the country um, lending with 30,000 people with access and they were increasing that number. So that's a, that's a key area to focus on. I just wanna close my own remarks by you know, thanking you again for the opportunity. The folks that, have, that are on this are, are experts. Uh, please access their expertise. Uh, my job here again is to try, to try to handle the big picture and make sure the big picture funds come to Hawaii in a way that we can utilize here. Uh, we are your full partner in this. Uh, we are available, accessible, and uh, for whatever needs, information to actual um, you know, assistance in, in cracking through this system. And um, again, I would say um, Congress is, is, is here for you, and uh, this is not going to be the last of the emergency relief that we're going to need or that we're going to authorize. But thank you very much. Thank you to all of our uh, panelists for joining us. I'll just close by um, noting our resources because uh, I see there's 60 Q&As there and uh, these webinars um, often lead to many, many questions. So um, we, we have been um, answering as many questions as we possibly can uh, and have, at least up to this point, been able to clear that queue out uh, on questions uh, that hopefully same day. That's questions at braingainhigh.com. 
The other is that um, our memo that talks through the technical aspects of this and walks you through the steps is now, I think, on version 12. Uh, we've been updating it every day. Um, Treasury updates its Q&As every day, so so do we. Um, and feel free to, uh, to reference that as well. Uh, thank you to Congressman Case, thank you to Jane, and thank you to Susan and all of uh, their team and our team. And we wish you all the very, very best this weekend. Hope you guys stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, uh, wishing you prosperity into the future. Thank you.